0: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Mark McDermott, the Senior Vice President of Radio Network Engineering and Development at T-Mobile USA, and Pat Watkins, the Vice President of Partner and IoT Sales at T-Mobile. You know, we've heard a lot of discussion over the past several years about fifth generation wireless technologies, Mark and Pat, obviously. you know, and how it has the potential to lead to a lot of great advancements in connectivity technologies and all the applications that flow down from that. But I'd love if you could kind of level set for us here. 5G is the new kid on the block. What makes it better than 4G? And where is this technology headed today?
1: Yeah, Justin, maybe just a comment on 5G and some of the differences between 5G and 4G. Uh, firstly, it's really important to understand that 5G is up to 15 times faster in its broadband connection speed than 4G previously. So that uh, that's a huge leap forward in performance. Uh, it also enables lower latency connections between servers and applications and devices. Uh, and that really unleashes a whole new set of use cases, whether it's the massive connectivity to IoT devices or to forms of new form new forms of enhanced mobile broadband but it also enables new forms of visualization such as augmented reality and virtual reality that can be used to uh, automate and uh, upskill uh, many of the, the the field tasks that uh, are encountered by field workers got it so
0: it's faster it's lower latency as you mentioned and, and you, you talked about a number of applications that are have the potential to benefit from 5G what are you hearing from you know federal agencies from from your partners about how they might be able to use that, those technologies and and what are you telling them about the the possibilities
1: Yeah, well, we're certainly hearing a lot of interest from federal agencies around such things as natural resource management, disaster recovery, and also the replacement of maybe older legacy systems uh, that may may have been proprietary, where 5G can reduce costs and improve efficiencies.
0: And Pat, on the partner side, you know, what are you hearing from, you know, whether it's federal agencies, government partners, Uh, state and local government partners uh, across the board in terms of what they're looking for, what they need to know about this technology.
2: Yeah, you know, I think when you think about what's going to happen and you think about digital transformation, IoT is going to be core to that, 5G is going to be core to that. And so, you know, some of the things that Mark mentioned uh, in terms of lower latency, in terms of increase battery life and also the ability to get massive amounts of data and derive outcomes from that data is what they're looking to take advantage of.
0: And so are there some specific areas where you know agencies and industry are looking at in terms of cutting edge innovation today? Are there some specific advancements that are being worked on today that you should be particularly paying attention to?
2: Yes, so um, let me, let's me let just talk about a few categories. Um, so when you think about government use cases and you think about the kinds of things that they could be doing, you think about autonomous vehicles, and you have ground equipment that can now be guided via GPS, and they're autonomous. Uh, if you also think about just drone technology overall, and you know drone technology is growing for many reasons. You can do things like you can do, you can survey, you can do search and rescue. So these are the kinds of things that we're seeing federal and government agencies looking toward, as well as starting proof of concepts and looking at how they can deploy these into their operations.
0: Mark, what are some of the technical challenges that agencies and industry are looking to overcome in in those specific areas?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that coverage is is still king. So to provide a reliable connection to some of the use cases Pat was mentioning, uh, you've got to have great coverage. And at T-Mobile, we have access to uh, an amazing asset base, uh, both radio spectrum and network. Uh, So we we deliver reliability through our low band coverage footprint. That's the 600 megahertz uh, coverage layer that we've been working on for several years. Uh, so that's that's the foundational piece. And then obviously the, the extreme mobile broadband performance that comes with 5G is delivered via the midband spectrum in combination with the low-band spectrum as well. So that's kind of the foundational piece. Uh, and that's the piece that gives us the confidence to address these opportunities uh, and really bring some of these use cases to life and, and realize not just performance, but efficiency too. Got it.
0: And you know, we've seen a number of natural disasters just in the last year or so, where maintaining connectivity is really important. Whether you're, you know, a first responder or, or just a, a person who's going uh, through these through these events, um, you know, what are some of the trends that your team is seeing when it comes to the intersection of 5G and connectivity and disaster response?
2: you know what i can take um i can start on this one yeah. okay i think that um you know one of the things that is really interesting is how they can use it to understand what's happening before it happens so being able to know what's happening in the surrounding community what's happening by example perhaps with video surveillance so they can use things like video surveillance to understand movement in an area, to understand changes in an area, to also do things like facial recognition. And so by taking this information and having it before something happens, it allows them to react quicker. It allows them to have precise information when they're reacting. And so we see this this will ultimately be a huge benefit as they're looking at rolling out these technologies.
0: Mark, what about maintaining connectivity in a situation like that in in the middle of a you know a hurricane or, or a tornado or or what have you?
1: Yeah, well, Justin, we've been working uh, very closely with government agencies on research and development projects to figure out how do we bring uh, relief coverage into areas that've been possibly devastated by high winds? And one of the one of the challenges with wireless networks more broadly is, of course, wind doesn't mix well with uh, antenna structures. So when we have a hurricane event or a very high wind, uh, you know, uh, an occurrence of high wind and devastation, uh, we know that we have to be ready to bring emergency relief to those areas and, and uh, bring coverage back quickly. Uh, so we're collaborating uh, with the, the U.S. government on new forms of drone-based uh, coverage where we can fly base stations several hundred feet above ground and power them for many tens of days uh, to provide relief coverage, not just for people who need to be connected in times of emergency, but also for the first responders themselves. And, Pat, maybe it's a good time to talk about wireless priority service, too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. Um, so wireless priority service is a great example of a service that we brought to life at T-Mobile for first responders across the nation, where at times of need, we give them priority access to bandwidth and connectivity so that they can, they can do their job uh, and stay connected to, to, to their teams.
0: Yeah, I can imagine networks get pretty congested, especially in times of emergency when you have a lot of different people trying to you know just keep abreast of what's going on right is is that kind of what you're, you're getting at how you how you overcome those challenges
1: precisely yeah in and in a moment of emergency typically people are very concerned about getting connected to people their family their loved ones and of course they're making calls they're sending messages and in, and increasingly they're they're initiating video connections too to actually observe what's occurring and that does load up radio networks uh, to some extent. But through the mechanisms in 4G and 5G uh, that we've developed at T-Mobile, we can prioritize access and bandwidth in such a way that uh, wireless priority service can be given to first responders and that they actually get the ability to preempt the, the, the bandwidth in front of others. So that's a tremendous benefit to first responders.
0: Right. and. You know, I also wanted to ask about how this future of connectivity discussion intersects with rural areas, rural industries, places that typically haven't had good mobile connectivity in in the past and, and maybe even right now, you know, how does the future look in terms of rural industries, perhaps like agriculture and, you know, the potential uses for 5G technologies there? Mm.
2: Yeah, we see this is going to provide huge benefits. So, Mark can talk more uh, about what our plan is in terms of rolling out the network itself. But, um, you know, as we think about what we can do with farming, um, you know, that's a really important job on our planet. And so, you know, especially with the growth that's expected over the next few years, we're looking at how we can use. 5G and the massive sensing capabilities. So we can have so many sensors connected 100 times more than you see today in in a single location. That's something that 5G affords us to do. And so we fully expect that, uh, you know, the sensors combined with artificial intelligence can create predictive models that reduce the risk. They're going to increase the efficiency. So, uh, you know, now you have systems that can monitor the crops and the soil conditions to provide farmers with real time data. Uh, farmers can quickly adjust their operations. They can better deploy their resources and also they can do it remotely so they don't have to have people on site doing this, especially when, you know, that's a huge cost to them. So better tools and intelligence, that's gonna equal more food and using fewer resources for those farmers. So it's gonna be good for the environment. It's also gonna be good for farming economics. So we're seeing, I mean, I think that's gonna be a huge benefit of what we're doing overall. We've also just announced a collaboration with Sonomish County, and that's the thing here. You know, We try to provide ways that um, our partners including uh, you know, the government can work with us or communities can work with us. So the, um, we have an initiative right now, it's collaboration between Sonomish County, as well as the 5G Open Innovation Lab, and also some partners to create a state-of-the-art agricultural technology field. We have two farms in rural Washington that we're taking advantage of there. It's called the Food Resiliency Project, and it's funded by the CARES Act with the goal to bring together farmers and distributors as well as technology companies to transform the agriculture industry and also to improve the food resiliency.
1: It's just great to hear that, Pat. I've got to tell you, I've got a little orchard myself in (laughs) Eastern Washington, and uh, I'm very aware that in Snohomish, uh, it's our 5G technology that's enabling the orchardist in one of those fields to precisely meter the water that's yeah. required to, um, you know, to sustain the, uh, the, the apple trees. And uh, the feedback we're getting right now from this pilot that's running, that the, the trees are healthier, there's less disease in the trees, which is resulting in better quality crops, uh, but water consumption is way down because it's targeted and it's, it's precise. So these are the kind of things that we're very proud to be part of. And of course, it's all enabled by having a a wide area network, uh, which at T-Mobile today, we're covering uh, well well over 300 million Americans, population heads in America. And our network spanning uh, more than twice the size of our nearest competition. And more than three times the next competitor. So we've got a very wide area network and we're very confident we can take the benefits of these types of trials to, to the broader population uh, and and of course all of industry across America too
0: yeah I think that's you know fascinating from, from a couple of different angles of course food matters to all of us and you know you're also bringing a, te- a kind of you know high technology to an area that's typically thought of as more of a lower technology field what are some of the milestones what are some of the um, challenges? And and, and how do you see this uh, project progressing here in the future?
1: I think it's incumbent upon us to, to really get underneath the business cases. Yeah. So to put sensors in fields costs money. And of course, we have to demonstrate that those natural resources are conserved. We need to meter and measure that and prove that. And that's what we're doing right now in Snohomish and other places. And then secondly, if there's a productivity lift in the quality of the fruit, we should be able to observe that the price and value of the fruit goes up too. Just talking specifically about the apple example, um, my own example is up in my orchard. Uh, there is no metering of the water; the water is in fact flat rated for the whole year, and uh, the question of watering the the trees comes down to six hours or twelve hours of water, uh, with no no regulation of the flow rate. So. Um, You know, that is a big issue and certainly when we get down to places in the country where we've got a lot of agriculture and and a real contention for natural resources and I'm thinking about the Central Valley of California as a good example, Uh, the the price of natural resources and the value of conserving them is, is, uh, is much more dramatic. So it's up to us to prove those business cases. We have to prove that the technology is viable, that it's reliable and that we can do this over long periods of time and that's what we're doing.
2: You know, the other thing we haven't talked about at all and it seems fairly simple and you know, one would think, well, we have sensors today and we're doing this today with Mm. be it narrow band or uh, a CAD-M. But the thing that's going to also be, make a big difference is the battery consumption by these devices. So with 5G, you will have batteries that you'll be able to uh, keep active for 10 years. And so we've never been able to do that. That's going to also be a huge game changer, as simple as it seems. Yeah,
1: that's right, Pat. And, and it's, it's a great sort of innovation because it, it really sort of goes to this whole thing about 5G isn't just about speeds and feeds. Right. It's about massive connectivity to these devices and sensors. And maybe the sensors are only chirping a little bit of data every 15 minutes. But to be able to process that, process that efficiently allows us to reduce battery consumption. And that in itself is a, a form of uh, efficiency and, and scalability that 5G brings to bear.
0: Yeah, I did want to ask about that. I mean, that's a great point about you know, battery power and, and how it kind of enables these uh, you know far-flung sensors. Um, and then data, of course, is, is a huge issue. Data crunching to, to kind of get after the artificial intelligence capabilities, applications that you've talked about. Um, how, how does 5G kind of enable that data processing, those, those um, issues that you have where you're just having to process a lot of information to achieve the goals of whatever application you might be talking about, whether it's you know, watering apple trees or, or whatever else?
1: Yeah, maybe the way to think about it is 5G clearly enables a much broader range of data processing capabilities. And we talked about the sensors, maybe water sensors in an orchard maybe only chirp every 15 minutes, for example. And maybe they're conveying two or three bytes of four bytes of information. Very low power, very low data rates. So those kind of applications can be processed in the cloud very efficiently and cheaply. Yep. So 5G fully enables all of that. But the other end of the scale, if we're, let's say, monitoring manufacturing of uh, uh, you know instrumentation or Uh, You know, in a a defense situation, you're monitoring the the condition of weaponry on a DoD base, and and the data feeds might be in the megabits per second. 5G also enables new forms of distribution of compute. Uh, So we're developing solutions around mobile edge compute, where we can terminate the traffic very locally to the application, and we can put compute there and deal with the data loads very locally. And that obviously reduces latency. And it allows for the dedication of resources in a way that really solves very quickly uh, the data questions in, in people's minds, the customers' minds. Got it. And you mentioned something I wanted to get to there as
0: well, which is the Department of Defense is obviously moving out pretty aggressively with some 5G use cases at their bases across the country. And you know, speaking of remote, these bases are often in deserts and uh, very, very, very remote places around around the country. And and DOD operates in remote places around the world. So, can you talk a little bit about what DOD is looking for out of 5G in these these various use cases? Um, what are some of the possibilities there for the Department of Defense specifically?
1: Yeah, uh, well, we've had a great conversation already about natural resource management, but we do know that DOD is very concerned about the environment and the consumption of natural resources and what effectively is, you know, some pretty material changes in the climate. So those, those are real use cases that are of deep concern to uh, the U.S. government and the DOD uh, entities right now. I would say as well, there is a whole broad range of use cases that we're becoming aware of through pilot projects uh, that the DoD entities would like to figure out. How do they take what previously may have been a wired application and take it, take it wireless, and, and in some cases mobile, so that they can innovate and be more agile in their development of solutions for uh, the modern warfighter. So, for example. Whether it's the downloading of telemetry information from a, a warfighting plane, you know, so that maintenance can be planned and executed much more quickly as the plane arrives back in base, uh, you know, the, the volume of data download runs to the terabytes uh, of, of, of uh, information. Being able to communicate that over 5G, using some of the assets that T-Mobile has at its disposal, whether it be millimeter wave spectrum where we can communicate tens of gigabits per second of information can really enable those use cases to become wireless and mobile in a way that maybe previously with 4G and 3G we just simply couldn't address. So those those are really exciting use cases, and of course coverage is key, massive bandwidth is key, uh, but at T-Mobile we can move quickly and solve for those uh, opportunities and really deliver on the use case for DoD.
0: All right, I, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask whether any of you have closing thoughts on the future of connectivity and, and where this conversation is going.
1: Just very excited to, to be working with US government. Um, at T-Mobile, we, we uh, take the opportunity to work with state and federal organizations. We've n- never seen a level of interest at this level before yeah. around 5G. It started a whole new set of conversations that we're participating in. We know the technology can deliver. Uh, We're working aggressively to build out our network and complete the build out. We're way ahead of the competition in terms of coverage, capacity, and performance. And we know that that's gonna benefit U.S. government entities broadly. Uh, So that's kind of our our level of excitement, if you will. Uh, And Pat, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would say
2: the one thing that we are also trying to do is how can we assist you in moving or assist them in moving faster. So through the innovation labs, through those experiences, we have a lab called Curiosity Lab, by example, where we have 5G enabled autonomous vehicle track. And so that's a real live lab situation. It's in uh, a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, you know not only three mile test track, but also a demo track where, you can try out things. It's just one example of the kinds of things we're doing to get things um, in place where people can actually start using the technology that we're rolling out right now.
0: Yeah. All right, well, I, I'd like to thank today's guests for a, a fascinating conversation here. It's Mark McDermott, the Senior Vice President of Radio Network Engineering and Development at T-Mobile USA, and Pat Watkins, the Vice President of Partner and IoT Sales at T-Mobile. I'm your moderator, Justin Doubleday. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search T-Mobile.